Hello, I'm Michael. And I'm Steph. And this is the Chef Campers podcast. Join us for the next 60 minutes as we discuss camper van cooking adventures. Hola, Steph. Hola, Mike. How are you doing? Okay, how are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. We had a good we had a good week, didn't we? Yeah, it was your birthday on last Thursday. It was my birthday yeah. last Thursday. Yeah, it it was all right, wasn't it? Well, I was in I was in work with you, working at Camper Van Culture. Yeah. So we kind of delayed it a little bit and had a, a weekend away in a hotel. Yeah, it was nice. A bit of a change from the pod. Yeah, it's uh, we should say that because we live in a pod full time all the time. It's great. It's amazing, but. There are sometimes, you know, very rare occasions where we just want to maybe sit on a couch and watch television. I know that sounds a bit weird because <laughs> most people want to go camping yeah. when they can. But for us, just having one day and just having the telly on or sitting on a couch and not being anywhere or doing anything, not having to drive anywhere or have anyone knock on the door and ask you about what you live in. Yeah, just a little relax. Yeah. Yeah, it was really, really good. We went to um, we went to this kind of like it was really cheap actually. It was it was like I don't know why people pay for camping. We had someone yeah. today at work who paid thirty eight pounds yeah. to camp with two dogs for one night with no electric. Thirty eight yeah, pounds, and I'm all for like you know people have got to make money, but come on, ten pounds per dog she was charged. Yeah, two dogs, and she turned up at like half seven eight o'clock and was gone by nine o'clock in the morning, and someone's charged her thirty eight pounds to park on a grass. Yeah, it's a bit. It's too much, that. Yeah. Well, we paid, I think, about £54 a night. So yeah. it seems like a really good value. Especially when my shower was about 45 minutes long. <laughs> and I had about three beers in the shower. Yeah. Did you Did you know that, by the way? Did you? Yeah. Was, was you aware what I was up to? I could see all the bottles. I cleaned <laughs> up after you. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, that's the thing, though, isn't it? When you don't live in a pod, like... It's easy to leave a mess because you don't have to clean up every two seconds. Oh, no, I've got to say, we don't leave a mess. I always clean up. No, what I'm saying, in the pod, we're yeah. clean and tidy all the time because you have to be because you're living in such a yeah. small space. But it's easy to leave a beer bottle out when you're in yeah. a hotel room. So it's like, ah, oh, there's loads of room here. Leave a few bottles out. Easy. I start to clean up, though. Yeah, well, I'll give you a hand. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. I did. I definitely gave you that. Right, let's anyway, let's, yeah, let's move on. It was it was all right. It was good. It was, it was good. It was, it was good. nice, wasn't it? It was a chance to kind of recharge the batteries yeah. because you know, again, living in a vehicle, it slowly deteriorates your battery because you don't get as much rest as what you will in a house because you're kind of always on the go and doing something, which is good for us. Really, it'd um, be quite boring for other people because we just kind of yeah. That's what o- I'm saying. Overslept. Yeah. Had showers. Well, I mean, I was up and, at six. I watched TV. I was up at six and went for a walk around the manor. But yeah, yeah. but uh, we did sit indoors though, watching telly all yeah. day and YouTube. It, do you know what? It was it was just what we needed. We needed yeah. to get away because it was my birthday. The temptations to go home and see friends and family, but it's like I don't think I've sat in a room on my own or with you for without any concern about what's going on and just sit there and just yeah. become a couch potato. It's good. Yeah. Couch potato for a day. Do it yeah. one or two days a year. It's good for you. Um, yeah, but it gave me a good time to think about kind of Chef Campus HQ as well. Yeah. I think we've kind of decided what we're doing with this now. So we're going to 
we're getting close. We've got we've got a really busy month. We've got a busy June as well by the looks of things. But I think maybe end of June, start of July, we can get onto the site and start getting it set up for what we need. So I think I've I think I've drawn out phase one. Yeah. And uh yeah. Anyway, right, this podcast is about campervan cooking adventures. So where not are we off? Not hotel. Not ho- not hotel, couch potatoes, <laughs> HQs. Um, where are we off to this week? North Portugal. North Portugal. Portugal. So Porto. Porto, Lisbon, Serra de Estrela. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to say this off the bat, straight away, before we get into this, for warm places, this is yeah. probably my favourite place in Europe. Yeah, we really enjoyed this. Straight trip. away, going in. And there's a good reason for that. Let's talk about the weather, Steph. Weather in Porto, hit me with some facts. Okay, so in Porto, you can reach 25 degrees in the summer months in June, no, July and August. That's average, I think, 25. Yeah. Yeah, which is a really good yeah, temperature. Yeah, really, yeah. That's not too hot, is it? 25 degrees. It's okay, isn't it? Any hotter than that and yeah. I, start, I, yeah. I get too hot. Yeah. So, um, weather conditions, summer, not too yeah, hot. Yeah, quite nice. Really nice. Sea breeze. Yeah, sea breeze. And winter, you're looking at about 14 degrees and it can go to about 6. Yeah. So, it's all right, really, for but a winter month. 14 degrees and the sun that's being quite, out that's feels quite really warm nice. To us. Yeah, it feels like quite a. It's a bit of a UK all right summer day. After being in the Alps, and yeah. it's, quite, so, it's quite warm. Weather for me in northern Portugal, it's perfect. on the west coast, yeah, it's lovely, absolutely lovely. It's a good, it's a good all rounder for me. Would you not agree? Yeah, no, I I agree definitely. Yeah, it's good weather. Let's um. So we've done the weather. Yeah. Do you know what, if this was a YouTube channel, you could be like, you know, weather girl with a green screen, and you could try and do all the yeah. things with the hands, and or we could have a Velcro one. I'm no, yeah. I'm just thinking long term at the HQ. We might do a podcast. But everyone's asking, can we film it rather than record it? So if we record it, you know, well, film it. I think you should be the weatherman. You can be like Michael Fish. Michael Fish, the liar. And, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, if we film it, maybe we'll do that. Anyway, um, some fun facts about Lisbon and Porto in general. Have you got okay. a good one? Yeah, well, quite interesting. Um was the first city in the world to import Guinness in 1811. Steph, I'm just going to say this. You know Guinness is my drink. Yeah. That's my fact. That's, that's the fact that I've got. First know, it's city. Really interesting it is fact. really interesting. The first city in the world to import Guinness from Ireland was, you know, in Portugal. I think that was Lisbon. Lisbon or Porto? It's one of them. Porto. <laughs> Maybe know. it's both. It's both. Um, yeah. So they had Guinness flowing yeah, on the west coast of Portugal. Isn't it, it is, isn't it? 1811. And I know Guinness has hit Africa as well. I've, I worked with a guy in, from Nigeria and he used to he used to be able to down Guinness in like one second. Oh. A whole pint of Guinness and one Dami Lola. Oh, yeah. Guinness, one second. Just did it. That's crazy. Yeah, when, I know. I've seen that when people just open up the throats. And do you know what was so funny about it? He would kind of do it as his like party trick in the pub, yeah. but someone would always miss it. Oh, and so was, he had to do it again. Yeah, 
Yeah, he ended up doing like four or five pints. And once Damid had like five pints, he was a liability. You know, he was crazy. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't that get you extremely drunk very quickly? That's why he went crazy. Yeah. It was good fun, though. Anyway, yeah, Guinness, yeah, imported into Portugal. Yeah. First first country in the uh, in the world to import Guinness. Yeah. yeah. Well, they had good taste. They did have good taste. That's why I like it there. Talking of taste... If you've had a lot of Guinness, what do you need to eat? Maybe a pastel de nata, which is also your favourite. I wasn't going to mention that, but I mentioned that and I'll run with this one. Pastel de nata, this is an interesting fact. So we were away and uh, we tried this pastel de nata and I had it from one of the main bakeries uh, in Porto, I think it was. Or was it Lisbon? We're going to get confused Porto. between the two because we yeah, love the whole I lot. We we went backwards and forwards between the two. I think it was Porto. Yeah. And I had one and I just rem- I was on a bit of a... If you watch the videos, I'd lost a little bit of weight. I was trying to watch my weight a little bit and I was losing a little bit of weight. And I remember just biting into this and I just remember saying to you, Steph, oh God, it's over. <laughs> it's over. I'm going to be eating these now forever. And um, yeah, absolutely delicious. But Lidl in the UK have started... They've started selling them. They're, they're, they're maybe thirty percent as good as a, a decent fresh one in yeah, the city. An original but one. still, really, that thirty percent is still good. Yeah. So it's still worth a pick if you're at Lidl. Pop, pop one in your basket and thank me later. Um, <laughs> but an interesting fact about that. Um, about only, Lidl. No, not Lidl. Not Lidl. I bet there's loads of facts about <laughs> Lidl, but this we're not going to talk about them in this podcast. This is about the Pestle Donata. There are only five people in the world who know the true authentic original recipe only five Ooh. five people it's actually five like, men but i was trying to be you um, know like equal. one family a family recipe no, five different guys five guys yeah not the burger guys <laughs> sorry i'm being annoying uh, you're trying to do the jokes anyway. yeah no. i thought we said this week no? yeah so five people in the world they're not allowed to get on the same plane they're like the royal family can't get on the same plane together Really? In yeah. case one of them dies. And I'll tell you why. They know how much I love them. <laughs> and if all of them go on some yeah. sort of drunken weekend down to... Why is the southern part of Portugal where they all drink? Um, stag party. It's west of Farrow. Oh, you nearly I've, went there I've, for John's I've before, stag do. I was going to say ibuprofen then, but... <laughs> I don't know. Some, somewhere in Portugal we didn't <laughs> go because... <laughs> yeah. Somewhere in Portugal that is a, is a place where you can go because it's Stan and Heg. I can't think of the name. Anyway, imagine if the five of them went there, got a bit leery, got carried away, yeah. and boom, that was the last of the Pestle Donata. Yeah, that would be sad. So, occasion. they know how much I like it, so they're preserving it, I yeah. think. Yeah. Really nice. You should try it. If you, go, if you go to Porto, definitely. I need to find out which cafe it was. I remember, it was, do you know, it was one of those websites that i just landed on and it just seemed to be a really old fashion mm. it looked like it had been like uploaded in like in the late 90s or early 2000s you know early blogs and uh, i love finding out stuff like that because if those places are still going and they were historic then then the chances are they are really good whereas now we're oversaturated with choice because of well people asking for freebies for a post on their social media or whatever. So you can yeah. never find the truly best thing on social media. You generally have to dig out the old books or dig out the old uh, websites. Anyway, that's a good that's a good fact. But if you were yeah. going to have too many drinks and having like too much fun in Portugal, 
And if you're in Porto, you might opt for a Frenchie. Oh, yeah. Can you pronounce the original name of this? I don't think I Why can. Why are you asking me that? <laughs> I've wrote this down somewhere. Where is it? Hang on. I have I wrote this down? Right. Frances... I have a thing Francina? about pr- pronouncing... Is it Francina? France... Yeah. They will... If they don't know, they don't know, do they? We can say anything... <laughs> Yes, it's the uh, it's the Frenchina. Frenchy. We'll yeah, call it Frenchy. nicknamed the Frenchy, although yeah. it's got nothing to do with France. No, uh, it's the Frenchina, and it's a five-layer sandwich, and it's served with a tomato beer sauce. So typically, it's like five layers. Uh, it's kind of melted cheese on toast on the very top layer, and then filled with like sausage, meat, pork, and stuff like that, all the way through the different layers with cheese, and then served usually in a, almost like a soup bowl with a tomato beer kind of sauce um hit and miss nice not yeah. nice you had a vegetarian one i think yeah i when i heard about this i thought wow this is like the best thing ever yeah like a beer sauce and a cheese cheese top sandwich yeah but it was kind of disappointing yeah veggie you had the veggie one uh, do you know what i'm gonna I wouldn't say go for a veggie version i've never done old. maybe the meat one i meat, need to meat. just clarify something that's not me having a wig that's what it usually sounds like that's me pouring some wine yeah you might be able to tell i'm having a i'm having a wine tonight red wine um because it's almost our what's pretty much our last podcast it's near the end of season one yeah we're going to do questions and answers in the next one we'll talk about that in a bit anyway so i'm celebrating with a glass um yeah so these uh frenchies five layer sandwich Tomato, beer sauce. I think most places are a three-layer sandwich. I don't think many places do a five-layer. I think what I'm going to do, though, once we get the HQ... You could make one. I'm going to do a Frenchie recipe video because I think it. I think this is something that could be incredible. Amazing, yeah. With a bit of refinement and a bit of love and care and attention. Yeah, I agree there. I yeah, think I, think be be, I think it could be a thing, a Sunday yeah. brunch. Right. Let's get started then in our actual adventure. So we've just kind of watched back our YouTube videos of this area. And I have to say, once again, I don't know what we were doing at the time, but our YouTube videos were much better than what they are now. We put a lot of time we and put, effort into them. Yeah, we did put time and effort into them. Lots of editing, lots of editing. different cameras, lots of different sounds, soundtracks or whatever. Yeah. Um, but watching it back, it was really interesting because we spent Christmas... In Portugal. Yeah. And we had snow. Yeah. Explain that one to me. It was... What? Sarah de... Sarah Sarah de Estrella. Mountain range. Yeah. There's one ski resort at the top. When I say resort, it's one drag lift. Yeah. That's probably 50 metres long or whatever it is. But there's snow on the top. And we drove... We were feeling... I remember this feeling when we were in Portugal... And one of the reasons why we decided to travel was because we wanted some time together. Yeah. Yeah. I think I got the better half of that deal. But let's <laughs> talk about that tomorrow on our counselling podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but it basically meant that any birthday, anniversary, Christmas, Boxing Day, Easter Sunday was usually spent apart. Yeah. I was usually cooking, yeah. and you were usually working. You worked with animals in a vets. 
I worked in food industry catering. I work when people want time off. So we'd never had a Christmas together as husband and wife. We had before we got married, but since yeah. we'd got married, we'd never had a Christmas together as husband and wife, and we've been married six years. Yeah. No. Nearly seven. Correct. Yeah. I was just testing you there. <laughs> Uh, so it was the first Christmas we were going to have as husband and wife and there was a t- I, uh, there was a feeling we had I remember being parked up in this amazing spot we were on, like on a lakefront a little tiny area to ourselves it was really private really nice and we had this last minute feeling should we drive home for Christmas and play yeah. driving home for Christmas the whole way there <laughs> But when you look at the map and it's two and a half thousand miles or whatever it is. We were just keen to have that Christmas vibe together, weren't we? And enjoy it with friends and family because we'd never had that before. But we decided to like do a compromise. And that was to dig out a winter festive area nearby. And we found that in the north part of Portugal in the Serra de Estrela mountain range where where the ski lift was. It's a high mountain range. There was snow on the the peaks. And um, there were mountain villages, misty. Um, it's, a, it's a big Catholic country, so there's a lot of Christmas celebration stuff going on. There's a lot of, you know, the um, Baba Jesus in its manger. Manger. <laughs> manger. Major. I'd do that on purpose because, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, free shepherds, bit of sheep. I remember, yeah. so we pulled up into this town and as we pulled into the town, we got out of the, it was a high altitude mountain village, uh, small village, maybe, I don't know, maybe a thousand people live there, max. And we pulled up at this kind of like parking spot for the night, which we found on pot for a night. I remember opening the van door, the Westie door, and I could just hear Christmas music playing. Do you remember this spot? Oh, yeah, of course. I yeah. couldn't forget it. It was just blaring out of the speakers, yeah, just wasn't blaring it? blaring out of these tannoid speakers. We're like, God, this is very festive. And we got really excited. Yeah. And we left the van and we walked into the town, which took 40 seconds. <laughs> and there was the whole music was being played everywhere in the yeah. town. And there was free Wi-Fi in the whole town. And it was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it was. It's and we're walking strange. around this town. And as we walked around, there was life-sized knitted felt models yeah nativity scenes of the nativity scene and you turn a corner you see the free kings and then you turn the corner and you'd see shepherd a shepherd they were the shepherds of free king oh no 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 no. you've got three kings and then the shepherds yeah went to a catholic school what a waste of time (laughs) Uh, then so i think we saw the jesus baby in a crib um but Rupert was scared of the sheep, do you was, remember? Yeah, we walked around the corner and he saw a sheep and he was. Yeah. He thought it was real. Yeah, just mm. a knitted sheep. But anyway, we're walking around this little village, this little town, free Wi-Fi, the songs are blaring, nice, it was like misty, it was quite cold, we had our like woolly hats on and scarves on and it just felt really festive, do you know what I think? Yeah, I really liked it. I just, yeah, the atmosphere... It, it was just nice, wasn't it? It was beautiful. Yeah. It really, And it was really out the way. Like, yeah. nobody... It was only Portuguese people there. Yeah. And I remember we walked into this little cafe, which was on the kind of little street that it had. And it was, I think, like a six euro menu. It had advertised for lunch. And we pulled in and uh, we walked in there with Rupert. 
and it just seemed to be like just friends and family in the village were just hanging out there and they were like amazed that we'd walked in and then they put out a menu for us and we ate there for six euros and it was all right it was like super starters and then it was like a a bit of a stew or something like that it was quite basic but six euros each and i think the coffee was like 50 cents or whatever yeah that was one of my favorite things to do have, have a coffee it's only cheap and it was just just yeah. sit outside have a coffee but all the local people were just really like friendly and keen to try and talk english and learn english yeah. and i really enjoyed it and do you know what you can be away from friends and family at christmas but if you've got that care and feeling around you you, you know, it, it makes up for it when strangers are that nice to you because family have to yeah. be nice to you don't they but strangers don't have to be, <laughs> and when strangers are ni- strangers are nice to you, then it it means a lot. Yeah. So that was a nice little time. And do you remember that hippie that we? I don't. Yeah. There's too many people to talk about in this show, but there was a little hip. There was a not a, there was a hippie part behind us, and he was like, "Yeah, hey man, I he was." Was it the hippie bus? It, well, he was mates with him. He was from America, but lived in Switzerland. Yeah. And he was like, hey, man, I love the synchro. Well, that's really, that's great. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool, man. I like your, like, kind of crafter conversion. He's like, oh, I used to have a Vario, uh, a 410 or whatever it was. I was like, oh, I like them. It's like, oh, worst thing I ever did was sell that thing. And I was like, oh, no, this isn't yeah. good. And then he started telling us that if we sleep within half a metre of anything electric, it's going to affect our brain too much. And it was a bit, it's a bit full on. <laughs> He was a hippie, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. But like, I guess we're hippies. Yeah. yeah. Well, not uh, as hippies as him, but... Yeah, but his friend was a hippie. Yeah. He was like, oh, my, my friend's turned up in a bed. You might have yeah. heard of him, and he gave us some sort of name. And it's not a name I recognise, but this guy turns up in his old Heimer, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And he he sold books out the back of his Heimer, and on the front page of the book is him with a Dalai Lama, and he'd spent, like, four months with the Dalai Lama, hanging with yeah. him. Yeah, some amazing story. Yeah, he had a lot of interesting stories. Wrote a book about it and was selling books for 30 euros about it. And really interesting guy, but yeah, that's, you know, that's his story to tell. You do meet a lot of interesting people on your travels. I like old school travellers. People have been doing it a while. You know, it's quite quite a thing now, isn't it? Instagram heavy or whatever, and people are trying to have a go at it. And usually you have to... The originals, the OGs. The OGs have been doing it it five or ten years. They're always worth a chat to because they're really interesting. They're the best people. Mm. Just go there, go for it. Yeah. They like the conversation. So we moved from that place to a town which I think one day we're going to have a mountain house there, maybe one day, who knows. Unhail de Serra. Un- oh, yeah, Unhail de Serra. Unhail de Serra. So this was the place that we decided to spend our Christmas. And in Unhail de Serra, there was a park spot which we spoke about in the pilot episode, I think, um, but I'll touch on it briefly, which is a park spot that was provided by the local town governor or mayor or whatever they're called. And it was almost like a campsite. It was right on a riverbed. Um, There was all pitches laid out. There was a wood-fired oven, a sink, a toilet. There was a water point. Yeah, it was amazing. It had everything. Yeah, it did. And it was completely free. We were trying to look for somewhere to pay. Nowhere to pay. We check with locals. Nowhere to pay. It's just to encourage people to come to our lovely little yeah. town. I was like, this is amazing. It was. It really was. And I think there was one other van there once. But yeah. other than that, we had the whole place to ourselves. 
So we spent our Christmas day there and we didn't film or do anything around our Christmas. We had that. We selfishly had it to ourselves and it was amazing. Yeah. I cooked a roast dinner on the cob. Yeah. We had roast potatoes, Yorkshire puddings. Yeah. It was amazing. Well, a Christmas dinner on the cob. Yeah, it was good. Um, But there was was another reason why we did this place um, and why it stuck out to us because... As we walked into the little town, and again, it was a very small town, not many people there. There was a nice bar and coffee shop at the top of the hill that we'd walk up to. And again, like coffees, there was maybe 80 cents, so less than a euro for a nice coffee that you could sit down in the square and enjoy and take in the mountain views. Much colder than the Algarve, but, you know, put a jacket on and then just enjoy the fact that you're not surrounded by people from home. Just, like, absorb it. It was great. And... In the very tiny square, it might have been maybe 10 metres by 10 metres or 10 metres by 15 metres. It was completely filled with tree trunks and big chunks of wood. Like tree trunks with like huge lumps of wood. And I thought, what on earth is that being stacked there for? And I'd read about the fact that in mountain villages in Portugal, they light up a fire was on... it during Christmas time? Yeah. Yeah. So it's from Christmas Eve, and I think they burn it for twenty days. Yeah. And the and so we saw all these logs burnt up, and we kept going up every night thinking that they were going to light it up. We thought it may be lit on the twenty third or the twenty second, yeah. but it was on the Christmas Eve that we saw the smoke yeah. rise from the the buildings, and we could see it from our camp spot. So we walked up the hill. And as we got around the corner, immediately I could feel the heat yeah. bounce off the wow. of the walls of the shops. And then as I took the corner, we could just see this enormous fire. And there was nobody there. There was no <laughs> fire brigade, nothing. They'd taken the telephone box out in case it melted. <laughs> um, the window frames yeah. were all metal, but they must have got really hot. Yeah. It, was re- it was burning my face standing. I was by somebody's front door and it was almost burning my face. Um. And this huge fire was just taking place in in the middle. And um, I was blown away by it. It was like a yeah, bonfire so like, in a town centre. Oh, it's a major bonfire. Mm. And the reason it was there is because an old traditional Portuguese thing that people do in mountain villages is light these fires and signal to anybody travelling in the area that our town is open, it's welcoming. There's a warm fire to warm you up after your travels. And a chance for you to dry off. And it's it's just a welcoming signal to yeah. anyone who might be in the mountains to say, come here and spend your Christmas here. And that kind of sums up the whole Portuguese completely. people for me. Completely. Yeah. I remember so standing friendly. by that fire and meeting maybe yeah. eight different people. Yeah. And people would come up for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, husband and wife or, um, you know, someone in the sun, a, a guy yeah. in the sun or a woman and her son or a, a daughter or whatever... And they'd come and stand by the fire for 10 minutes, make a wish or a prayer, say hello to us, speak to us, be really nice to us, and then go home. And we stood out there maybe yeah, for a while, didn't we? I think we? we wanted to stay there all night. Obviously, we didn't, but yeah. it, was just, it was amazing to see. Yeah. I wanted to cook sight. Christmas dinner on it, but I didn't know if that would like, offend people. Yeah, we should have maybe bought some marshmallows. Yeah, but I want to go back and explore that yeah, again. Yeah, I'd love to go to that place again. But it was amazing. Uh, in terms of Christmases and how... Yeah. Uh, Christmas goes that for me will go down as one of my best I'll, Christmases yeah. ever I'll always remember yeah. so we were missing all of our friends and Christmas. family but we had that just yeah. really unique moment great memories from that place yeah. 
Right, that was on Helder Sarah. Yeah. We're going to go back there. We might own something there one day, who knows? Right, let's go west. So that so Unheld of Sarah is kind of where the go Queen. Queen. Anyway. In the northern part of Portugal in the central area, that's Serra de Estrela and that's the mountain range. Lots of people who go to Portugal generally hit the west coast and they get onto the Algarve and they miss that centre spine of Portugal. For me, it's some of the best parts of Portugal, so don't miss it out. Take your time to enjoy that area too because you'll find less tourists, less people there and a really authentic feel on Portugal. It might not be the weather and beaches that you might be looking for, but you can get them in Spain or anywhere else. What you'll get in Portugal is a really warm, welcoming experience. It's really cheap to enjoy, but also nice scenery too and more space to yourself. So do check it out, that centre spine. So let's head west to the Porto region. Porto. What about that as a city? What was your first impressions of Porto? Oh, it's a great city. It was it's really busy. The it had a nice river on the side. It, did. And... it was quite a big river. I don't know what the name of it is. It's no. huge. It's enormous. But there's lots of old sailing boats on the river. And those sailing boats are the sailing boats that would traditionally export the port all yeah. all around the world. But I don't think port is actually made in Porto made about 80 kilometers out from porto oh. but that's where a lot of it is sold yeah um so it's a it's, it's it's really like i love it it's got these trams that are like from um i think only one of them is but the trams that you see in san francisco those really old retro ones mm. they've got them buzzing around the city the whole time and one of them oh, yeah. actually is from san francisco I think the Golden Gate Bridge, is that in Porto or is that Lisbon? I think that might be Lisbon. Uh, it's Lisbon. I always get mixed up between the two because yeah. we darted up and down yeah. between these. But anyway, Porto, we went there and as a city to go and visit, I just ticked so many boxes. It was quite laid back. It was quite chilled and it felt very different to all the cities that we'd explored so far in Europe. It was just... It was nice. What, yeah, what, it was a nice feeling to it. It was very busy. It's on the river and it's just, yeah, it's lots of hills, but really enjoyable. I'll tell you what I like, the architecture and the tiling. Lots of tiling. Specific tiling to that region. Lots and, of art oh, on the side of buildings. Yeah, the graffiti art, that was amazing. Yeah, big massive cats that are three stories yeah, high. The, you can actually go on a proper tour of the graffiti art. I think if we'd had more time, I would have done that. We We'd saw rushed, a bit of it though. Yeah, we rushed Porto, but it's a place I want to go back to and yeah. spend more time. Find your hat. Yeah, yeah, we had um, we had one of those the, the Frenchies. Frenchies that we spoke about. We had that on a we were on a little cafe and it was a tiny little table for two, and it was really compact. And I kind of moved my ta- my chair out a little bit to get a bit more kind of space between my elbows, you know, because when I'm eating, I'm eating, I'm I'm all in. I'm not I'm not mucking about. I'm not holding my knife and fork and being very polite. I am straight in, straight in, elbows out, straight in. I'm eating, I'm having my food, I'm I'm enjoying it. Everybody else can do one. My priority is me enjoying my food. I'm like a dog when you know, when food's put out, I'm into it. Which so, is all well and good until a tram comes up. Well that's next what I was gonna year. say. The guy comes up to me and he's like, Can you yeah. can you tuck your t- chair in? And I was Run like over by a tram. Come on man, I'm a I'm not the skinniest chap in the world, mate. You know, I need a bit of room here to enjoy this meal. I need to be comfortable. He's like, No, no, you have to move your, your chair in. Sure enough, he was bloody right because 
It was yeah. so close. Two minutes later... I think Rupert jumped and hit under the table. I felt the breeze before <laughs> yeah. it hit us. I felt the breeze of the tram come in. If we could touch it, couldn't we? We could touch it without extending our arm. Yeah. I think if I stuck my elbow out from my chair, <laughs> yeah. I would have been able to touch the tram. That's how close it was <laughs> to our table as it went past. One of those San Francisco old traditional trams that went past, digging its bell. <laughs> Not fast, but no, enough but weight and momentum to kill you. Um, so, yeah, we were sitting there and enjoying this Frenchie and it just bloody went past, <laughs> didn't it? I remember yeah. that. I liked it, though, you know. Yeah. It's like someone on TripAdvisor would whinge about that. Train went past Where me and while I was having dinner. <laughs> but you know what? It was all part of it, wasn't yeah. it? It really was. Part I just, of the experience. It was a hustle and bustle lunch and it was just... I just felt... I felt like it was a sponge soaking up Portuguese yeah. culture at the time. It was great. But... We head, we headed south from Porto, and we did the whole. Let's do the west coast of Portugal, yeah. man. Let's go and catch the waves, man. Well, that's one of my favourite places too. I just really like Portugal, but that was yeah. really nice. I know. I just said go up the spine of Portugal, go up the centre, but do both. Honestly, yeah, do it all. Do both. Do a lap of Port. Do two well, laps. Yeah. Do well, five laps there, of Portugal. Just do it all. Well, zigzag between the two. Yeah. And find out what you see between. Uh, the the spine and the and the west coast. So we went down the west coast at this point. Then after going up the spine, because we circled back on ourselves to go back the old golf for you know whatever we were back in the old golf. Um, so we were on the west coast coming down, and we spoke in the earlier episode at Bordeaux about the west facing sunsets and what that looks like. Well, in Portugal, it's a lot of that. But it's amazing. Some of the best sunsets. You get... Well, you do. You get the biggest waves in the world on the west coast of Portugal. The record for the highest wave ever surfed is a place called Nazaré on the west coast of Portugal. And these waves are enormous. They have to use jet skis to take people into the waves and come down. So we followed the coastal path coming back. And it was on this coastal path that we discovered... there uh, There was a place on New Year's Eve... Um, that we stopped and we parked our camper van right on the edge. On the cliff edge. And we could get down to the beach from it. It wasn't super high. Yeah. Uh, We spent the day litter picking. Yeah. Just doing our thing. We made that um, kind of homemade (laughs) pulley system in the bucket. I made a pulley system. So Steph could put the rubbish in the bucket and I could hoist it up and then put it in our treasure room. So we spent a couple of hours litter picking on the beach because it was just an amazing beach and it felt a shame that people yeah, get rid of had plastic left plastic there. bottles. Um, but that was New Year's Eve. And again, we haven't spent a New Year's Eve together f- since we were married. Yeah. So I was quite keen to find a place that was perfect for us. So we parked up on this cliff edge overlooking the beach. The waves were maybe 20 metres away and we litter picked our kind of area for two hours and we had a meal. We had and, a meal and a mm, glass of wine. I remember placing the table and chairs just on the, almost on the cliff edge. I lit a fire next to the table. I fired up the cob. And I actually remember what I cooked uh, for me. I had um, pork cheeks cooked in a pork sauce. A pork mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. a pork Port and pork sauce. Yeah. With, uh, yeah, beautiful stock, some, like, 
pomme puree, some really rich mashed mm. potato and some vegetables that I cooked all in the cob and it was just braised pork cheeks. It was delicious, sensational. And I cooked you like a vegetarian equivalent. It might have been like a roasted beetroot and then some charred beetroot and then some pickled beetroot. Mm. I think I did beetroot a few ways for you. Yeah. But we had, because you are really into it at the time. <coughs> anyway, we... We timed this meal for sunset and there's a couple of pictures and I think I included yeah. it in a video somewhere, but it's just... A, it's Yeah, that's the picture I get in my mind is us on the cliff looking at the sun. With a cob with our, next to us on the table yeah, and then a wine, big campfire next fire. to us keeping us warm, sitting at a table for two, enjoying a, a restaurant standard meal yeah. in the wilderness overlooking the horizon with the sun setting. And that is just... If I could give somebody 60 quid and say, oh, replicate that for yeah. me, I'll come and visit and I'll eat it this time, I would do it. Just watch it. I'd do it once waves. a week. It was sensational. Yeah. It really was. But we headed south from there. We pulled into Nazare and we filmed some surfers on yeah. the huge waves. Red Bull had just had their big save surf right weekend, a couple of the weekends before the competition. Yeah. So there was a big swell two weeks previously. I'd love to go back and watch that competition. Mm, I think it'd be packed. But yeah. it was good. We watched surfers go out and on the big waves yeah. and it blew my mind how they were yeah. able to do that. It was amazing. And then we headed south to Sintra. Now, yeah. Sintra is the western coastal beach town of Lisbon. And Sintra, for me, ticks yeah. so many boxes. If you are going to Portugal and you're not going to Sintra, well, go to Porto, definitely. Go up the spine. But if you're not going to Sintra, then reconsider your plans. Yeah, it's one of the nicest places. The beaches, oh, the sea, the people, the, just well, the, the little villages. Talking about people, Steph. Yeah. My favourite person in Portugal. Maybe Europe. Yeah. Could be the world. I'd love, I'd love it if this guy lived near me. I know how much trouble I'd get into just knowing him. Um... Nuno. Nuno. So new. So we had some friends called Andy and Jack that drive a H-Fan, H-Fan Adventures on Instagram, this amazing, beautiful Citroen H-Fan. And we, they were a little bit delayed getting down because he was changing some parts. And we caught up with them and we said, look, we'd met this guy called Nuno and we're going to have a bit of a... I remember cooking uh, on the clifftops and we were actually filming a video. We were filming our Ratatouille. Yeah. on the cliff tops of Sintra and looking looking back at the pictures and looking back at the video it was just I need to go back to see if that was yeah. real I it don't know beautiful. I just don't know if it was just my mind the colour of yeah. the sky the colour of the sea the turquoise it's just how the rocks came so, out of the yeah. sea and I need to go back to make sure it I wasn't daydreaming perfect. yeah was it as pretty as it looked yeah because it, it never it was Things never look as pretty on video or in pictures than what they do in real life. But that is a place that I'm thinking, did we, was that, did that actually happen? That was real. So we were cooking on the cliff tops. We took this really long, bumpy off-road track, found somewhere secluded, and I was cooking over a fire on the cliff top. Right near the cliff edge, actually, it was a bit dangerous. And uh, all of a sudden this guy comes over shouting, Hello, hi, hi guys, hello. It's like... Hello. He's like, uh, you're the uh, chef campers. I was like, yeah, that's 
that's us. He goes, oh my God, uh, I have a T3 too, a T25. I was like, oh great, yeah, that's nice. He goes, uh, let me show you pictures. So he showed me pictures. And he goes, um, he's just getting all of his, he can't speak, he's getting his words out so fast, I'm trying to cook over fire. And he's just like, uh, are you going to be here tomorrow? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I didn't know whether to say yes, because I, I wasn't sure if he was going to come back and like, I don't know, be crazy or murder us or whatever, or I don't know. But I was like, well, he seems friendly enough and he knows what the vans are. And I was like, do you know what? I think we probably will be. And he's like, okay, I have to go, but I'll be back tomorrow. And we're like, okay. So he goes thinking he'll never be back. And what happened the next day? He was back. <laughs> it was about four o'clock. I heard that flat four engine, which I just know too well, in the distance. And he was bounce. He had a two-wheel drive on, and he was bouncing it really hard over the rocks, <laughs> like really hard. Speed and power got him over everything, but completely abused his van. And I remember him pulling up next to us. I thought, oh, here he is. And he gets out, and he looked like a bit of a surfer. He had shorts on, flip-flops, and a shirt and sunglasses on. But this chap gets out of the van too, and he's got like a chino suit on with a proper shirt, very nice pants. Smart. Very, very smart. They had shopping bags with them and they come walking towards us. And Nuno says, he says, uh, Michael, Steph, good to see you again. This is my uncle. Uh, and he introduces his uncle. I can't remember I his name. I think it was Fernando. Fernando. This is my uncle Fernando. And uh, Fernando, this is Michael and Steph. Michael is a chef. And, he, and Fernando's like, uh, it is a privilege to meet you, Michael. And I was like, Thanks, Fernando. And he said, uh, I brought you some gifts. And I was like, right, okay, this is this is weird, but let's let's see what's happening. He pulls out this really expensive Portuguese wine, um, like really expensive. We're talking 30 to 40 pounds a bottle. Um, some really exotic cheese and um, four big, thick, healthy beef steaks, um, sirloin steaks. And uh, a big part of gooseneck barnacles, pashabis, and a few other things. And uh, Nuno just casually comes out with a phrase, "Yes, uh, Michael is going to cook for <laughs> us uh, at sunset." And then Fernando said, "Oh yeah, Nuno said he was taking me to some yeah, restaurant taking that him out for dinner. taking him out for <laughs> dinner to a restaurant he's never been to before." <laughs> now it turns out Fernando's travelled the world and he worked for the the older family of Portugal, Aristoc family, and he was very. He'd ate in a lot of nice, decent places. So he turned up to this cliff top with a guy living in a van with his wife and dog <laughs> with a barbecue and a fire pit and got told by his nephew that he was going to eat at a restaurant he's never <laughs> at before. And straight away, my heart dropped and thought, flipping heck, I didn't... <laughs> what, what's happened here? How has this gone from me doing this to now cooking a menu? Anyway, I thought, do you know what? I've got to run with it. And we're sitting there on the table. We open up the Portuguese wise. We're glugging it. And we get out these bashebis, gooseneck barnacles, and they look like miniature... Elephant feet. Elephant feet, dinosaur claws, um, and they're much smaller than a mussel, but you'd almost treat them like a cockle or a mussel. And I'm, I'll come back to these, um, but we ate a whole part of them. We cooked them up in some seawater that Nuno had brought, and we ate a whole pot of them. And I, I hadn't had them before. I didn't know them, to tell you the truth. I didn't know what they were. 
I ate a load of them with Nuno, and Nuno's telling me, you need to make a noise when you eat them, you need to really slurp them, and you need to make more noise. And I'm like, oh, flipping heck, this is a bit full on. And we're all making like these slurping noises and trying to be louder than each other. I then find out, I think it was like 90 euros a kilo. It's one of the most expensive foods in the world. Um, <laughs> one of the most expensive ingredients you can use. And Nuno, uh, you know, I said... I'd love to buy some of these. Where can I buy some? And Nuno said, you can't buy them, Michael. So well, surely you can buy them. You brought them. He said, no, that's my job. I go into the cliffs and I swim out into the ocean. I climb a cliff top, maybe 10 metres, cling onto the cliff tops with a spear and a net and break them into my net while the waves crash on my back and I have to cling on for dear life. I thought he was joking, but a few weeks later, we went out and watched him do that. I'll come back to that in a second. But anyway... So we eat these, and I said, oh, flipping it, well, how much would this cost then? He said, well, I sell it to the restaurants in Lisbon, and what we've ate tonight, I'd probably sell for 90 euros. I thought, well, flipping heck, I've just ate half of them. Yeah. I'd best, best put the cob on, darling, and cook some dinner. Yeah, I'd eaten, I'd eaten them by then, yeah. so I had, nothing, I had to cook. That's what he did, he sucked yeah. me in. He's like, I'll give you some of my services if you give me some of yours. Perfect trade deal. Yeah. That's why us in Portugal always get on. So anyway, I cooked a meal. And funnily enough, Fernando had never really experienced kind of smoked wood charred food. or And I really went for it. I remember putting out some really good food for them. And Fernando, uh, I think I captured it in the video. He said, I want you to write a book. Yeah. And when you write a book, I want you to come to Portugal. I want you to host me and my friends. And I'm going to sell every book mm. that you were. He was really, he, 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 he loved it. He was a really nice guy. He'd never experienced anything like that before. Yeah. For someone who's at some of the best restaurants in the world to say that he really enjoyed that experience made me feel that this is something that you know, I, I want to get better at and pursue a bit more. Anyway, that was that was an amazing night. It was. That isn't where the story stops with Nuno. No. Nope. Uh, we could do a whole hour on Nuno. Yeah. There's two stories about Nuno's death, and you can pick one. So there's a story about the time he put on a normal suit over his wetsuit and went swimming in the ocean, climbing the cliffs and nearly drowned, and we thought he was dead and we nearly <laughs> called the police. That's story number one. Or I think we need to do both. Or story number two. I think you should do both. I think it deserves no, both. No, I think we'll do one. We'll do one, and if people want to hear the other one, they can ask us. Okay. Maybe. Or I'll put it in a book or something. Or story number two is driving on tram lines yeah. the wrong way at midnight in the middle. Of, well, maybe we should do both, but do the condensed version. Yeah. And if anybody wants to hear the full version, they can stop us and ask us. run a fire sometime. So there's loads of other stories as well. When yeah, we, yeah. There's too many stories there's about so many Nuno. Stories. So... Where do we start with this? Maybe the suit, wearing the suit to yeah. work. So Nuno, so Nuno rings me up and we, we, we should have left Cintra in Lisbon area maybe a week before, but we were hanging around with, with Nuno. I met one of his chef friends, Chef Sebastio. I did a cook on the beach. He gave me a Portuguese cooking lesson. It was just incredible. Had an amazing, like Chef Campers was absolutely at its pinnacle for me at that week. We'd had meeting people, meeting food people, cooking with Portuguese chefs, learning about the Portuguese food, having adventures. It was ticking every box. So we were putting more time and effort in there. 
Anyway, Nuno says to me, I need you to meet me at this. This is how he would speak. I need you to meet me at this address at this time on this day. Okay, Nuno, can I ask what for? No, just meet me there, please. Was that right? Let's go with it. So we turn up at this address. It's a seafront cottage over, you know, cross over the road. You're on the beach. Amazing park. Uh, amazing property and uh, we turn up there and then Nuno turns up always turns up an hour late or 45 minutes late parks his van over double yellows or in front of a restaurant blocks everyone doesn't care he's in Portugal (laughs) that's what he does so we'd found our parking spot parked up we were waiting 45 minutes he turns up and he's like oh you made it I was like yeah yeah I made it 45 minutes ago Nuno you still haven't learned to tell the time I'm a stickler for time if you're ever if I ever arrange to meet you for a time Turn up five minutes early. If you turn well, up five, Nuno, Nuno was always late, wasn't he? He was always late, and it really got on my nerves. But I, I, I am a stickler for time. But yeah. I was prepared to write that off for yeah. Nuno because Nuno gave me so much more in return. So we turn up, and Nuno takes us in this house. Sorry, that's, that's Rupert snoring. That's there. Rupert snoring. Can you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rip. Um, so we turn up in the house and he, he says, um, right, Michael, I need you to film something for me today. I was like, like no, no, I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't make films. I just record a, like a little video each week about our travels. No, I need you to film this for me, please. I was like, what is it? He said, my wife has left me. And I was like, I'm really sorry to hear that, no, no, what's like, you know, it, do you want, do you, do you need to be spending time with me right now or do you need to be somewhere else? It's fine. And he said, no, 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 I, I need to make this video and win her back. I was like, what do you mean? I don't know how a video is going to win her back. He said, no, Michael, you need to listen to me. So I was like, okay, no, no, I'm listening. He said, she told me that my job isn't a proper job. Swimming out in the ocean, risking my life, climbing the cliffs, picking pesebis into my sack and selling them in Lisbon at night time for five, six hundred euros every night isn't a proper job. I said, it sounds like, you know, a dangerous job, Nuno, and a well-paid job, if I'm honest with you. Maybe you just need to have a different chat with her. She said, no, 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 Mike, you don't understand. She feels that I have to wear a suit to work in order to have a proper job. She wants us to be a proper, normal, well-to-do family in Portugal. She doesn't want me swimming in the ocean or surfing or having long hair. or She wants me to be dressed in a suit. I was like, okay, Nuno, but you can't change what you are or what you do. He said, Michael, I want to show her that I do wear a suit to work. I was like, okay. Right, where are we going with this? So we get out this suit. And he said, I need you to come to the beach with me. So we drive, to, like, not the beach outside his house. We went to this cliff at top area, a little secluded bay area. And we drive down. And we get out and he's, he takes his clothes off. And he says, get your camera out. And he's absolutely naked. Completely naked. And he's laughing, he's like, oh, you're, you're filming all of my body. And I'm like, no, no, just get some clothes on, will you? Just like, you're looking at my willy. He's like, you're looking at my willy. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, just put some flipping clothes on. Yeah. Anyway, he puts his wetsuit on. And uh, he's like, be the man of today. Because he saw this after, aftershave advert yeah. where a guy puts on the suit and he wanted to be him. So he puts his wetsuit on. He then proceeds to put on a full expensive suit over his wetsuit because he wanted to show his wife soon to be ex-wife that he can wear a suit to work if he wants to he wears this wetsuit to work but he you know he can wear a proper suit to work so 
So he puts on his shirt, puts on his tie, puts on his blazer, his pants. He carries his spear. He's got his flippers on and he's got his spear in his net. And he starts walking across the sand with this suit on with flippers on and a spear in the net. And I'm thinking... Is this actually happening? Um, I think I know why, Nuno. Your wife's talking about leaving you, mate, because it's this sort of stuff that you're doing. But I loved it. I was in. I was absolutely in my element. If I meet someone who's a little bit... unpredictable... Not, I wouldn't say crazy, but unpredictable, and I'm caught off guard. I love it. I revel in it because I'm on. I'm on the edge of my seat all the time, waiting for the next thing to happen. I couldn't have predicted this. Anyway, he starts walking into the waves. Now the waves are about eight feet tall. I wouldn't go swimming in them. I wouldn't feel confident. And he starts walking in with a tie around his neck and a shirt and a blazer on, with a little bodyboard, his spear in his net, and he paddles in. And he's struggling to get past these waves to get beyond them to be able to go out further to sea to reach these rocks. And uh, he quickly turns around and he comes in because I could see he was struggling. And uh, I was like, no, no, you, are you OK? This is a bad idea. This is a really bad idea. He's like, uh, yes, yes, you're right. And I thought, oh, thank God for that. He's going to take this off now. And he, he's either going to put a day's work in and show her that what he does for a living and hopefully she'll respect it. Or he's going to just realise that, you know, he doesn't need to be with a materialistic woman. You know, that's that's mm. what he could do. But no, he takes off his blazer, said, I, I will drown if I wear this blazer, but I can <laughs> keep the shirt and tie. Um, and uh, did he keep his pants on? I yeah. think he did. Kept yeah. his pants on. He just took his blazer off. So he jumps back on his bodyboard with his wetsuit and his suit pants on, shirt and tie, loosens his tie a bit, starts paddling out. Now he goes beyond the waves and he starts climbing the rocks and I put my drone in the sky. I see him climb a rock and it must have been two or three stories high without any ropes, any climbing equipment, um, flippers on his back, tied around his neck, climp like kind of clamping onto the, the rocks with his fingertips and just holding onto them for dear life. Now what you've got to picture here is that he was maybe... 15 meters above the water level at this point and the a wave crashed his back and after the wave crashed his back the water dropped another 15 meters so the water was rising 15 meters up and 15 meters down very quickly and he was in that 15 meter range where he was being hit by the rocks so he had to like cling on to them climb as fast as he could to reach a point where he was getting hit by the waves but wasn't getting thrown against them by the water. And at that point then, he could get his spear out in his net and start collecting the Pesabies. And I'm watching this in awe on the drone because he's out of vision, he's out of sight. Anyway, the drone runs out of its battery, doesn't it? Yeah. I bring it back to the beach and I land it and the battery's ended. Now, he said he has to be out at three o'clock because he's got to go and pick up his kids. Anyway, it gets to about 10 to 3 and there's no sign of Nuno. It then gets to 3 o'clock, there's no sign of Nuno. It's quarter past 3 and there's no sign of Nuno. And we are really, really concerned because watching this for the first time, I thought it was the most dangerous job in the world. And it, well, it, it is one of the most it's dangerous one of them. jobs in the world, isn't it? And I thought he'd gone in the water and I thought he might be drowning. And I, I tried to... I went round the corner, I ran round the beach, yeah, tried to get a viewpoint. Him, didn't we? I was shouting. Um, and then. Him. I was ready just then to pull out my phone. And then all of a sudden, I just w- watched his head pop up behind a wave. It's like a seal. With a spear. Yeah, like Coming a seal. Out of the 
sea. And then, you know, he was really, he's a really strong swimmer and he comes out of the, the water and really excited and he's caught a load of Pesebis. He said, oh, hello, guys, how are you? I was, like, I was worried sick about you. He goes, yeah. oh, don't be, you sound like my wife. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, now I know why. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he said, uh, what time is it? And we're like, uh, it's quarter to four noon. And he goes, oh, shit, yeah. I'm late. I meant to pick up my kids at three o'clock. It's like, ah, this might be why your wife's leaving you, Nuno, you know, but, you know, he's, I've got to go, I've got to go. So he's driving in his wetsuit with his shirt and tie on, over his wetsuit, with his pants on, in his T25, and he just shouts out the window, meet me in Lisbon uh, underneath, under the, bridge. under the bridge at 11 o'clock tonight. And we're like, what, what? He said, meet me there at 11 as he drives off. I thought, what on earth is he doing? Yeah. Anyway, we drive to Lisbon. Yeah. We just had to go for it, didn't we? We said this. I think we talked about it yeah. before. Just to say yes, we had to just say yes. I'm gonna to have see a, what was gonna happen. I'm gonna have a sip of wine for part two. So we we drive up to Lisbon, and we find this parking ground just underneath the 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 red bridge in Lisbon. Now this red bridge is a replica. I think the original Golden Gate Bridge mm-hmm. that you see in San Francisco. It's a red suspension bridge, and there's a big. Is there a Jesus Christ statue or something like that there? Is that, is that on the other it? side? I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, it's a huge bridge and we're parked underneath in a car park. And I've messaged him and said, look, we're in this car park. Don't know if this is where you're going to meet us. And sure enough, I think he said 11 o'clock. It was like quarter to midnight. Um, I hear his van turn in and he's got blue sirens and a blue lights because it's next ambulance bus. And he puts them on, comes in the car park. Hello, Michael, how are you? I was like, you're late again, Nuno. He's like, yes, 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 I've had a busy day. I was like, I know I was with you. (laughs) (laughs) He's got all his Pesabies in his polystyrene box. He's like, right, Michael, you can now get to see what I do for a living. It's like, great. Um, And he jumps in my van. We don't jump in his. He jumps in our Synchro Atlantic and he's like, drive. And he sends us up a road that's a one-way street and it's the wrong way and it's a tram line. I said, no, no, this is the wrong way. Don't worry, you're too British. You're, you're with me now. We're in Lisbon. I know my way around this city. I was like, flipping out, Nuno. Like, if a tram comes around the corner now, like, I'm going to have to... Hopefully, they'll stop in time and I'll have to reverse fast enough to get out of its way. Don't worry, you're too British. You'll go through... <laughs> you always stop at the red light. That's what you've shown, yeah. wasn't he? Always stop at the red light. I was like, you're supposed to. It's so you don't die. Ah, you're too British. <laughs> anyway, we had... We pulled up in the, like, kind of a bullring centre in Lisbon. And we parked. He put me in a pedestrian zone, right in the middle of a pedestrian zone. Definitely get a ticket there. No way could you be parked there. British van, British number plates, parked in the centre of a pedestrian zone. Almost like Trafalgar Square. Imagine parking in the centre of Trafalgar Square. That's what it was like. He said, don't worry, put your hazards on. It's no problem. Steph can stay in the van. She can explain to them what we're doing. (laughs) I get out the van with Nuno. And we waltz into this really swanky, amazing posh restaurant in the centre of Lisbon. Go in, chef sees us straight away, go into his kitchen. And he just turns to me, Nuno, and says, don't worry, Michael, it looks like we're going to fight, but we will not fight. <laughs> and I was like, what? Anyway, they start negotiating the prices on this Pesapis, and it goes on for about six or seven minutes. He's shouting, slamming the table. It looked like they were swearing. It looked like they were going to fight. And then after about seven minutes, they start chuckling and two beers arrive for me and Nuno. We have a beer each. We chat with the chef in English now. 
and then uh, we have a great time. And then we go to the next restaurant, same thing happens. We do it for two more restaurants. We jump back in the van. It's like, right, I'll take you on a tour of uh, Lisbon now. And we're driving all these back roads. And then all of a sudden we come down this really... I mean, I'm really doing the condensed version of this story. Yeah. Um, and we come down this back road and my van felt very tight getting down this back road. And it was like a building site in the centre of Lisbon where they're doing kind of renovation work. He says, oh, just park it here. And I was like, I don't really want to leave our whole prize and possession in the centre of a city in an alleyway that (laughs) I don't feel comfortable with. Oh, no, no, it's fine. So he says, no, no, it's fine. Just leave it there. And I was like, oh, go on then. So we we walk away from the van and we're coming kind of down this dark alleyway. And then all of a sudden this guy appears in in a suit and it looked like he was like, it looked like it was a gangster or something in the centre of Lisbon. And he's like, oh, no, no, where have you been? And I was like, right, are we going to, uh, are we getting jumped now or robbed? What's, what, is this, is this what Nuno was leading us up to? You never really know what was going to happen with Nuno. No. And we, anyway, we walked down this back alleyway with this guy. And then we walked through the kitchen of this restaurant with Rupert as well. Like, is, is the dog okay? He's like, oh, yes, yeah, just quickly bring him to... So we walk through this restaurant and there's a chef in the restaurant who says hello to me as I go in and we walk through the back door. It was like a small house, wasn't it? It was like a small cafe, restaurant, yeah. Anyway, we walk in, into the centre, through the kitchen, into the tables and there's about six guys sitting there. There's a lady and another guy sitting on another table and they've got musical instruments and they looked a bit annoyed or pissed off and... It turns out they'd been waiting for Nuno since like half ten. And as we said previously, Nuno's never on time. And it's about midnight as we turn up at this point. So we're 90 minutes late and I didn't even know we were going to this place. So we sit down and the the bar, uh, the restaurant guy who owns the place, brings over a big, like, huge jug of wine. Gets out a pack of cigarettes. Off gets everyone to take a cigarette. He closes the curtains, closes the door. It's almost like a lock-in is happening. Brings out some soup for us and some potatoes and some other stuff. And we just eat, we drink, we have wine. I'm like, well, this is... This is weird. And this guy's catching up with Nuno and everyone's happy to see Nuno. Anyway, all of a sudden then, the food gets taken away. The wine keeps flowing. And a guy just starts singing. And as he's singing, he stands up and he walks to the corner of the room and starts singing into the corner of the room and then looks up as he's singing. And the noise could be described as almost an operatic song. It's almost like opera, what he's singing. Um, Like classical opera that he's singing. And then all the other guys join in too. And the guy and the lady who had the instruments, they start playing um, their instruments. And it was a bit of like a, it looked a bit like a mandolin, but I hadn't seen that instrument before. I don't know what, I can't remember what it was. It's an interesting instrument. And they start playing and they all start singing. And it is, it's like operatic music. Yeah. So this music is called, is it? Fardo. Fardo music. And it's recognised as a cultural significant piece of 
style of music in the world. I think it's got like a UNESCO or a heritage sort of world heritage status. Yeah, it's traditional status. to Portuguese. Completely traditional to Portuguese. And what they are are traditional sailing songs from the Portuguese sailors from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. They're now mostly sang by females, but traditionally at the very start, it was males. And what we were witnessing, which we hadn't realised, was one of the most authentic gatherings of authentic Fado singers in Portugal in an authentic cafe restaurant singing in an authentic building. And the reason why the guy stood up and sang into the corner was because they sing into different parts of the building to provide echoes and reverbs to make the noise. And this building is famous for its singing of Fado music. And it turns out the restaurant, like, cafe owner was a singer too. So they're singing all these songs and it's just incredible. And I completely wasn't asked about the van being down <laughs> an alleyway at this point. I thought this is a completely unique experience to be having. So Nuno then says to me, we need to leave after the next song. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? We've come in, the feathers, you know, we've, uh, we've drank. We can't just get up and walk out, Nuno. They've clearly waited for us. No, no. You don't believe me. We need to get up. We need to leave. Or they'll have us here all night. And I was like, well, it's a bit rude to get in. He's like, stop being so British. We need to get up. So anyway, the song finishes and he grabs hold of my, like, my pants to get me to stand up. And start, like, I'm, I'm really doing it really slow. And the guy grabs my shoulder and forces me to sit down. It's like, you're not going anywhere. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I don't want to. It's him. It's not me. And, uh... We have about three more songs. Anyway, the guy then turns around to Nuno and says, Nuno, we need you to sing for us, please. And Nuno's like, no, 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 I don't do that. And he's like, no, Nuno, I need you to sing. We've waited for you all night, Nuno. And he said, okay, then. Then Nuno starts singing. Turns out <laughs> his dad's a really famous Fado singer and Nuno's quite a famous singer too. And he's quite well known in the country of Portugal, apparently, as being a bit of a eccentric guy, a bit, bit well known as singer and stuff. We had no idea. Anyway, he starts singing these songs and he's really going for it. And he's a really good singer. And uh, we were just like, oh, just when you couldn't tell what was happening next. And then he keeps saying, next song, Michael, when I finish, you need to get up. You need to say you're leaving. And I was like, no, no, I'm enjoying this. No, no, you need to carry on singing. And we had a laugh and it went on, didn't it, a few oh, hours. It's amazing, yeah. And then, um, yeah, we uh, we left that cafe. Yeah, eventually they, we left. They wouldn't take any money of us. Yeah. They were just amazed to see Nuno and hear him sing. And they wanted to meet us as well because Nuno told them about us, which is why the chef flipping waited yeah, like no. 90 minutes past the finish time. I'd feel awful. Oh, I felt terrible. Yeah. Um, just to feed us, to make sure that we yeah. had the food. Because he was asking me about the food, what I felt about it and... Asked if, you know, I'd like to cook there or cook with him and we'll go back to that place. Yeah. There's there's about ten more stories about Nuno and they all kind of start and end like that. Unpredictable, lots of fun. Never in a million years would you imagine it would happen. Um and we're gonna see him again. He drove my van. Yeah. The only guy to drive my yeah. van that wasn't my brother on my wedding day. Um Yeah. Yeah, he was a great character. Yeah. Great guy. So, camper van cooking adventures in northern Portugal, and we're going to stretch it to Lisbon. What's great? Well, that centre spine bit. Everybody sticks to the coast, which we've spoke about. It's amazing, west-facing sunsets. Absolutely hit it. 
But don't forget that central spine of Portugal. You'll find lots of authentic, interesting things to whet your appetite and to enjoy and drink. The Vino Verde, this light sparkling wine of Portugal, to all of the different spices and oils they have. To the just the different, it's it's great. You'll love it. Um, go up north into the mountains, the Serra de Estrela Mountains. Go and explore what Portugal has to offer there. And uh, yeah, what else for north? Sintra. Sintra is amazing. Hit that place. Yeah. You might bump into Nuno if you've got a T twenty five. It might stop you. Um, Porto, a city well worth checking out. And Lisbon, we only really had a day there, but um, we'll probably go back there too. So. That's been it for this week. Yeah. Next week, we might do... We, we, we're not going to commit to anything right now. We're super busy. But we might do a questions and answers. So if you've got a question that you'd like to ask about anything about our journey so far in this series, um, then drop it into us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or on Anchor, or however you listen to your podcast, or check us out. Uh, give us five stars on iTunes. Yeah. Write a review if you can. That'd be nice. Um, but don't worry. Five stars is good enough. And that's it, really. And if there's enough questions come in, we'll do a Q&A next week. And then in a few weeks, we'll probably start season two, which will be Scandinavia, which is the Arctic Circle and everything that has to bring, yeah. which is completely different to what we've experienced so far. Right. Right. Well, and thanks if... for listening. Yeah. Um, I've been Steph. I've been Mike. And Rupert's been Rupert. And Rupert's snoring, been snoring. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you soon. Yeah. Take care. Bye.